Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Blue Cliff Record, Case 74. King Yu Osho and the Rice Pail. Engo's Introduction. Wielding a sharp sword horizontally, he cuts through all complications. The clear mirror hung high, he brings forth Virachana's seal within a phrase. In a state of inner mastery, he puts on his clothes and takes his meal. His spiritual powers wander at play. Do you understand? See the following. Main subject. At every midday meal, King Yu Osho would himself bring the pail of boiled rice to the monk's hall and do a dance. Laughing, he would say, Dear Bodhisattvas, come and take your meal. Setjo says, although King Yu did this, he was not simply good-hearted. Later, a monk asked Choke, what did the ancient worthy mean when he said, Dear Bodhisattvas, come and take your meal? Choke said, It seems like joyful thanks and reflections before the midday meal. Secho's verse. Laughing loud from among the white clouds, he brings it with both hands to give to the monks. If they had been cubs of the golden-haired lion, they would have seen through his ruse even thousands of miles away. Good afternoon to all of you here in Syracuse and to our friends elsewhere, wherever they may be, on Zoom. Someone in this Zendo said to me the other day, was it yesterday or today? I don't know. Such dismal weather. Well, several of you are from places where you have sunshine in the winter. But what makes Syracuse such a great place to practice? Dismal weather. Ada Roshi used to say, I was in Hawaii, but you can't do Zazen in Hawaii. Yes, all of us who are living here are rejoicing in this very temperate winter session weather. And enjoying the subtleties of gray. So. 
such a fine time, such a fine place. And I want to thank Nikyu-sensei, not only for your fine talk, but for being here as I was coming back from New York City with Kushu, who drove all the way from Austin so that we could go down to New York Zendo and have Zazen and Doksan with the students there, and then so that I could attend the Hatsudate, the first tea of the new year at Urasenko Chanoyu Tea Ceremony Center. She's just uh, about three blocks away from New York Zendo, and which has long connections with tea and Zen, with Urasenke and Shoboji. And I'm on their board as Odoroshi was before me. And when I found out it's their 100th anniversary in New York branch. And I haven't been doing much, you know, except for going to DBZ, very rarely to go and see our son and daughter-in-law in Northampton. I hear about all of you traipsing all over the place. I've just been sitting at home, sitting here, sitting at DBZ, and that's about it. But I heard I was invited to attend. The last one I could go to is January 2020. We all know what happened that year. And so I thought, well, I, I can go. And then I thought, well, why not? Well, because session starts Thursday. Oh, I'll call Kushi and see. He'd be a likely sort to drive across the country and say, okay, you'll have to really be careful getting into the Jeep. It's very high, but let's go. Okay. And so we did. We did. Such a special thing. Yeah. These days I treasure every moment, every Dharma opportunity, which is moment after moment. And I was remembering what your own Maureen Stewart said about this. I wanted to read you a little passage from her chapter called Breathing In, Breathing Out. Someone came to me and said in disbelief, this is spiritual practice, sitting on a cushion and counting from one to ten? Everything is spiritual practice. When you leave the Zendo, you go back to all kinds of life situations. You are not taking anything with you. You are going back with nothing, not a thing. You are going back, however, to respond to whatever your life situation is vividly. This is what our practice is about. Some people are doing koan. It's not what you say to me in your response, it's how you respond. And how do you respond to your life? Don't take anything with you. Then there's just this cleared up mind that responds to whatever is asked of you. 
those of you who are doing this strange spiritual practice of counting your breaths are discovering that it's exceedingly wonderful. It is incomparably the best way to take us into the ocean of samadhi. And she goes into what that practice is all about and elaborates a bit on it, so I'll let you read that for yourselves. Last night I was dreaming. It was a very vivid dream. I woke myself up saying, yes, 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 oh, yes, yes, yes. Say yes to it. Neither approving nor rejecting, whatever it is. Through the intensive practice of session, we can face things more calmly with our hearts full of strength and energy. We have a new sureness in our lives. We feel lifted out of the ego self that says, I, me, my, all the time. We feel freer to live in wholeness not some split, childish self. So, yes, I decided to go. Not stuck, not constrained. And it's the year of the rabbit. Jump. Spring forth. This wonderful shikishi is from Yamakawa Roshi, of abbot of Shogenji. Quite a few of us have met him when he's come to Daibasatsu Zendo, New York Zendo. And Doshin trained at Shogenji after his years here and at Daibosatsu. So, being at Urasenko for that first tea of the year, there's so much interchange between. Zazen and tea, calligraphy and tea. How we practice. The saying is, Ichigo Ichie. One time, one act. This is so helpful for us. Most of us, most of the time, are doing anything but what we're doing. Always the mistakes occur because while we're doing something, we are already doing something else in our minds. What if it is just this? This life we are so privileged to receive. Do you know how rare this opportunity is? To say yes to it. To be it. Without adding anything. To be where you are, how you are. Fantastic. So the great tea master Senorikyu taught 
the spirit of harmony, respect, purity, and tranquility. And this year's ceremony was just incredible. There was a special tea guest, honored guest, in the most remarkably gorgeous kimono and obi, and many assistants in their beautiful kimono and obi, and the scroll, and every detail so carefully thought through to honor and make us feel comfortable and to offer special tastes in the bento box that we each received to eat before we had our thick tea. I don't know if any of you have ever had thick tea, matcha, thick tea, if you have it on an empty stomach. Some strange things can happen. So they took very good care of us. And one of the beautifully kimono-clad elder tea teachers told us the Jataka tale of the four friends, the monkey, the otter, the jackal, To celebrate the full moon, these four friends resolved to practice charity. And sure enough, a hungry old beggar came along. And each of them wanted to give the beggar something to eat. So the monkey climbed a tree and brought down some mangoes and some nuts. The otter went into the water and collected some fish. The jackal was kind of lazy and didn't want to go in and find anything, but there was a lizard nearby, so he caught the lizard. The rabbit didn't know what to do. He couldn't catch an animal or a fish. Couldn't climb a tree. He only knew how to gather grass. But he had heard that humans don't like to eat grass. Then he had an idea. The old beggar had gathered some sticks and made a fire. The rabbit jumped in, offering himself as food. Well, as is often the case with these Jataka tales, the beggar turned out to be an incarnation of Chakra, an early name for Indra, of Indra's net. Chakra pulled the rabbit from the fire, brought him up to the heavens, rejoicing, thanking, and put an image of the rabbit on the moon. So that all of us, when we look at the full moon, will remember the rabbit for his kindness and be inspired for our own There are various iterations of this story, which is very well known in Japan, called Rabbit in the Moon. Some of you may remember my telling the story of attending the 2009 American Zen Teachers Association meeting 
at Great Vow Monastery in Oregon. And I recited there a poem by Oregon's poet laureate, Professor Lawson Inada, remember? Called Picking Up Stones. About Nogan Senzaki doing brushwork on stones that he found on the plateau at Heart Mountain, where he was incarcerated during the war, and then putting them back, and how other people had begun finding these stones, going out to look for them, and picking them up, and collecting them. So Professor Inada had also been at an internment camp with his parents. And he was so moved when he read in eloquent silence Senzaki's poem that I read to you this morning, the Mandala Day, ending while they search curious stones of ancient ages. So I put Inata Sensei's poem gave to Choen and to posted it on the bulletin board. So those of you who would like, please take the time to read it. It's quite wonderful. After I read the poem to a group of, uh, of teachers, co-abbot Chosen Bay stood up. She was so amazed. She said when she and Kaz Tanahashi had gone to Hiroshima and Nagasaki to offer the Jizo Project quilt, which ONG had contributed a panel, on the 50th anniversary of the atomic bombs being dropped. A filmmaker friend of Kazu's had gone with them and had given her a copy of a 2004 video she had made called Rabbit in the Moon. A documentary about the internment camp. And this filmmaker, Emiko Omori, had been in one of the camps as a small child. And her mother had died at the age of 39 due to the terrible conditions there. And the documentary was her way of connecting with the mother she had lost when she was a year and a half old. Chosen showed me the first scene in the video. The opening image is of a 55-gallon oil drum filled to the brim with stones that had been dug up by a farmer at Heart Mountain. On each stone is a brushwork character written by Nyogen Senzaki. On Mandala Day, we are so kind of tuned in to all the interconnections, never ending. This fall and winter, the passing of Nikyu's wife, Sandra, Doshin's uncle, Genko Osho, Mokwon, each in their own ways, 
after years of struggle, meeting the challenges, saying yes, it's time to go. Now, today they're behind their plaques. Genkos and Mokoons are among the ancestors and benefactors on the altar. Genko Kathy Blackman, do you know her, Dochen? Our Dharma sister at Zen Studies Society. She practiced at Daivasaku Zendo and then went back to the West Coast, Seattle. After years of living with cancer, she finally entered hospice in November. And she sent me a book she put together of her artwork and her haiku called Stardust is Everywhere. It arrived at Dagosatsu just as we were beginning Rohatsu's session. And I picked one haiku to read you. One day only. But the day lily is complete, perfect, just as it is. Mokoon, our beloved Dharma sister here, also had long years of health struggles. She had a blood disorder, a gene mutation that required multiple transfusions. She had pulmonary artery hypertension. She lost sight in one eye. And throughout her time with us was just one of the great stalwarts of Hoenji. She goes back to the early years in my attic and to our sessions at Alverna Heights Retreat Center. And many of you remember her and were affected so deeply by her kindness, her love and warmth. She, in the words of, of Yorin, was a key bridge person between Hendricks Chapel, where she read Zazen every week for so many years, and Hoenji. And it was just so helpful with all our Sangha members, some of them having great health problems of their own, visiting Ryujo, Bob Misop in the hospital, and working with Jika on the Sangha Care Committee. And she became a member of our Tisarana Council of Senior Students, which we started in 2014. And it was she who made all the calls, bringing people together on Thursday evenings to meet. And even after her health declined, she managed to make it to Dharma study almost every time. She was a founding member of the early music group called Scola Contorum. She helped with her considerable organizational skills to really get it going and continued singing with them for 35 years. One of her emails from 2016 said, to the Kisarana Council members. Dear all, although choir has ended, I will be at the ACTS leadership meeting this Thursday evening. 
If I only could be everywhere at once in the relative world. And now she is. She is among us. She is with us. Her partner of 54 years, Dick Molitor, who taught yoga here every Friday and Sunday until the pandemic hit, was in touch with me often during the last few weeks. And on January 5th, I wrote to Jikyo Jikin, Joraku, Myorin, and Choen. I said, thank you for being our small Sangha sisters group visiting Mokolon at Krauss Hospital and then Francis House Hospital. Mokolon died last night, just after midnight, January 5th. And a few days later, Dick and our Sangha sisters group, together with Doshin, Daigon, and a few others, did a service at Oakwood Crematorium. And we'll have a 49-day memorial service for her Thursday, February 23rd at 6 p.m. So, tears and great laughter today's case. Always today's case. Engo's introduction. Wielding a sharp sword horizontally, he cuts through all complications. What is this sharp sword? Hmm? Hmm? And who do we associate? Manjushri, exactly. So wielding Manjushri's sword horizontally, cutting through delusions, cutting all dualistic ideas, cutting two into one. Horizontally, in the book of Rinzai, Record of pilgrimages, next to last chapter, chapter 20. Rinzai went to King Yu's monastery. In case you've forgotten after all this, King Yu is the figure that we are looking at in this case. Okay, so Rinzai went to King Yu's monastery. Kingu saw him, held his stick horizontally, barring his way. Rinzai struck the stick three times with his hand, pushed past, entered the monk's hall, and sat down in the first seat. King Yu came in and said, there is prescribed etiquette between host and guest. Where do you come from that you are so rude? Rinzai said, what are you talking about, elderly Osho? 
King Yu started to answer. Immediately, Ming's eyes hit him. King Yu pretended to fall down. Rinzai hit him again. King Yu said, This is not my day. Later on, Aeson asked Kyozan, In the case of these two venerable ones, was there a winner or a loser? Kyozan said, Call it a victory, then both won. Call it a loss, then both lost. Engo goes on in the introduction. The clear mirror hung high. He brings forth Lyotana's seal within a phrase. In a state of inner mastery, he puts on his clothes and takes his meal. His spiritual powers wander at play. What is he talking about? Hmm? One might think, can you? Certainly. Why not? Who's the subject here? But what about you? Here, on this second day of winter session at Hoenji, celebrating the year of the rabbit, hopping about, didn't you too simply put on your clothes this morning and take your meal? Was it all that difficult? Did you make up some struggle for yourselves? Oh, let's see, what, what leg goes in first? Oh, I don't know if I can do this. First yes. Eating the meal. And coming in to the zendo. And having Mandala Day chanting. Weren't your spiritual powers wandering at play? Wasn't it fun? And then what? Diamond Sutra could not be more at play. Hongo Hanya Aramikyo. See, you don't have to make this hard for yourself. I know you're attached to doing that. But it's really not necessary. Okay. So about this. Simple phrase that Bhairochana's seal comes through. What was that simple phrase? Please, simple phrase. Dear Bodhisattvas, right? come and take your meal. This is what the Tenzo says. This is. Signals are struck, and then, normally, that's the end of it, right? King Yu, however, King Yu, dancing, laughing, 
bringing forth Virachana's mind seal. Who is Virachana? Virachana Buddha. Hmm? This is a very important Buddha. Okay, I'll give you a few hints. You may know the Japanese name, Dainichi Butsu. Dainichi is the great sun Buddha. The Buddha of endlessly radiating light. The cosmic Buddha. The entire universe shining forth, Buddha. The Dharmakaya Buddha. The embodiment of truth. Turning the wheel of Dharma. We went to Nara, remember? Taudaiji? The great Buddha there. How many of you have been to Nara? Okay, the three of us went together with a few others. And in the Kaifando at Dabasasu Zendo, somewhat smaller. Dainichi Buddha. Onavira unken bazarata doban bicha. Dainichi Buddha. Well, a little bit about King Yu. We don't know very much. Usually we have a few stories to tell, or at least tell you that he lived from whatever to whatever. All we know is there's this case. And that he appears in the Rinzairoku, so presumably they were alive at the same time, but that's really a presumption. You can't presume. But you remember the story, right? And Rinzai hit him. And what did he say? This is not really my day. So, anyway, he knew, although we know very little about him, we do know that he was one of Batsodoitsu's 84 Dharma heirs. So they didn't all make it into the uh, formal lineage charts, but he was. He was. Anyway, every day at lunchtime, he would come dancing with the rice bucket in front of a monk's hall, calling out, laughing, come, come, bodhisattvas. He did this for 20 years. Every day. And Dancing. He didn't worry about what dance was of that particular year. So I did a twist, or maybe a little salsa. And calling out. Filled. Like the bucket. Filled with rice. Filled with. Yes, Dharma spirit. Laughter, great laughter, reverberating throughout heaven and earth. Holding forth the container with both hands, offering with his whole body. Come and get it. There are so many examples 
of what we might call sacred music and ecstatic dance, right? You can think of some African, Tibetan, indigenous American, Tahitian, Hindu, Sufi, no theater, slow, dignified movements conveying more than mere narrative. Or the ritual gestures of esoteric Buddhism. When Kushu and I were invited to, to go up to the altar at Koyasan and sit behind the curtain, this was incredible. Where? Where? We could watch up close people who were conducting the ritual as close. Each gesture, all the subtle hand mudras, all the ritual implements, invoking what great mystery in a prescribed way. This is what is taught. But beyond what is taught, then, then, what is transmitted. Conveying vividly how many hundreds of years this tradition, Kukai, manifesting the cosmic structure of the universe. Unforgettable, really unforgettable. When we were ready to leave, I told Kushi, let's come back here and just stay here. Let's go and learn Shingon Buddhism. So amazing. So we have dance, rituals, dance as prayer, dance as awakened mind. Some of you have seen the Tibetan Buddhist monks of Japong Lothung Monastery doing the multiphonic chanting and the dancing. And in the Torah, in the Book of Exodus, we have the prophet Miriam, a sister of Moses, who led all the women in dancing, playing with timbrels, celebrating their freedom, expressing her joy. So Kingu, daily offering, daily dancing. It wasn't a performance. None of what I have just told you was a performance. Of course, this vibrant playfulness comes from deep samadhi. Sit still. Then, as Maureen said, we go out. In offering whatever is needed, ready. You can't prepare for that. Sit still and shut up. Don't think, oh, tomorrow I have to do this and I have to do that. You won't do any of it because 
You'll get in your own way. Sit. Do. One act. One time. This is it. Then. How can we not dance? Son Roshi, when we were still living at Dorakuan, as the beach house was named, sometimes he would lead us from the zendo on the second floor down to the Dharma Hall, which has now been made into a living room. Chanting, Namu Dai Bo Sa, we all dance. Howling him in a dancing kinin, chanting, Namu Dai Bo Sa. Not wild, not putting anything on, joyful, that smile. Like no dance that she loved. You know, this is the Thorn Roshi we followed in this playful samadhi. Of course, there are serious pictures of him, but Kaz and I decided this is the one we want to use. Eight hours she was like, huh? We won. And of course, you know, Hakuin in the Song of Zazen, we just chanted, right? To regard the thought of no thought. Whether so, King Yu, we might say, had this Dharma voice continually the same thing for twenty years. The monks came and went, okay, new crop, all right. Always, midday meal, dancing, laughing, come and get it. Was it the same? Could it be? You might think of Bhute, one fingers and always. Day in, day out. One thing. Same? Or Joshi. He asked a new monk. Have you been here before? Yes, Master. Have a cup of tea. Another monk came. Have you been here before? No, I haven't. Have a cup of tea. Thank you, I will. Later on, the Sheikah asked Joshi. Each of those monks gave an opposite response. How is it that you make the same statements to them? Joshi said, Shake up. Yes, sir. Have a cup of tea. And you know, Nyogen Senzaki often would say at the end of his station, have a cup of tea. And every single time he would open his talks, Bodhisattva. Dear Bodhisattva. 
Anyway, Engel asks in this case, what was Kinyu's intent? Was he just summoning the monks to have their midday meal? And Secho also inserts this comment. Though he acted like this, Kinyu was not merely good-hearted. Hmm. What was he doing? You've heard of Bodhidharma's teaching, transmission beyond words and phrases. Kinyu's teaching. Years later, Choke Ergo was asked by one of the monks about King Yu's dancing and laughing. And he answered, Seems like he's just showing joyful praise on occasion of the meal. Rejoicing and giving thanks as Nikki said yesterday. And we chant the five reflections, right? Before breakfast, before lunch, we chant, first, let us reflect on our own work and the effort of those who brought us this food. Secondly, let us be aware of the quality of our deeds as we receive this meal. Well, I don't know if this super book was in use when we, some of you old timers, began. Huh? Look familiar? Meal verses back in the day. First, let us reflect on our own work. Let us see whence this comes. Secondly, let us reflect how imperfect our virtue is, whether we deserve this offering. Thirdly, what is most essential is to hold our minds in control and be detached from the various faults, greed, etc. Fourthly, that this is taken as medicinal and is to keep our bodies in good health. Fifthly, in order to accomplish the task of enlightenment for all, we accept this food. Well, this changed sometime around, I don't know, late 70s, I think, maybe. And, uh, the thing was, there were people who stopped eating. Do I deserve this offering? I don't think so. So yeah, we uh, we made a new translation. We're always making new translations. What is most essential? It's the practice of attention. Yes. And of course. Then equally on this side, the first morsel is to destroy all harm. The second morsel is to practice all good deeds. Third morsel to save all sentient beings. May we all attain the path of Buddha. So Toke says, seems like that's what's going on. Is that it? Of course. King Yu is expressing joyful thanks and reflections. But as the Lankavatara Sutra puts it, things are not what they seem, nor are they otherwise. 
So, of course, King Yu's actions, as I said, are not a performance. It's not a mere recitation. What is being demanded? Can anyone come forth to respond? He says, come and get it. What is it? And why is it that no monk can see it? Hey, just see the master bringing the midday meal and presenting it and doing a little dance and laughing. Okay, so we'll eat. So he's, the quote is, descending into the weeds to help being. And they're content to receive the midday meal. And they're not examining. They're not probing. Listen. Eating your fill. Listen. Day after day, year after year, King Yu descending, offering, but with a glint. There's a knife in his laughter, something sharp hidden in the rice. There's an urgent question without words. Cool. Well, get it. Who will step forth? Who will join the dance? Some of you know case five of the Blue Cliff Record, Setcho's Grain of Rice. He tells his monks, all the great world, if I pick it up with my fingertips, is found to be like a grain of rice. I throw it in front of your face with my but you do not see it. Beat the drum, telling the monks to come out to work and search for it. What is it? What was the meal that King Yu was serving? Many grains of rice. The whole world. Secho's verse. Laughing aloud from among the white clouds, he brings it with both hands to give to the monks. If they had been cubs of the golden-haired lion, they would have seen through his views, even thousands of miles away. How about you? Hingu's wholehearted compassion, offering wordless teaching day after day. Could anyone receive it? Could anyone be more than rice bags? Gobbling blindly? It's time. It's time. Bring forth 
manifest your golden-haired lion nature. Who will? Then, with no hesitation, dance with no imitation, laugh, say yes to it. Thank you. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.